I do believe I have a message. Uh, I'm, I'm having some strange things happen to me. When you preach at conventions of this nature, you're supposed to, you know, try the sermon out somewhere in the backwoods somewhere before you get to the convention. I've been having, I always told the Lord, I, I want to I be your orator. I want to be your voice. Anoint me to speak the words of Jesus Christ. And lately, it's uh, strange how it's happening, but on the way down here, God gives me a sermon. And uh, uh, I don't know if it's a sermon or not. We'll find out about that. But uh, give me a thought. And I have to preach that tonight. And uh, the way this service was in gear overdrive. This was an overdrive tonight. I thought it was. I don't think you could get it going much faster. It was moving. We was on a racetrack here for a while. And on the home stretch, I was beginning to wonder, God, did, was that you talking to me or not? He said, yes, you just preach. I want to clarify a few things, and I think you realize that not for one moment do I believe that this church, God's church, when I speak, I'm not speaking about the local church, Bogalusa. I'm speaking about God's church on this earth. I do not believe that it's a backslidden, run-down relic. God's church is very much alive and vibrant. It's a potent force upon the earth. But we are mortal. We are subject to weaknesses. We are very human. We have, uh, we put on quite a facade sometimes. We go to special conventions and meetings and we're asked, how do you, how are you doing? Praise the Lord. How are you doing? Oh, great. And I think we should be upbeat. But sometimes behind that, oh, great, is a bleeding heart. There's a broken and torn, distraught spirit. Is a dream that is faded into oblivion and a castle that has been crumbled and a vision that is fogged. Because of the events of life, you see, we have an adversary. And that adversary is against. Don't you ever flirt with the world or tolerate the spirit of the evil one. For our enemy is the devil. And for you that don't believe in a devil, God have mercy on you. Because there is a literal devil. And there is a world that is under the influence and the power of that evil spirit. And that force is against the force of righteousness. You cannot coexist with that spirit. You are doomed if you try. And therefore we are under perpetual attack. But we are going to win. I have no, I have no problem. I'm a winner. Now, I want to read just a few verses of Scripture tonight. Not, not many. I would thought about reading the whole 37th chapter of Ezekiel. But I will not read the whole chapter. But let me read from verse 2, where the Lord spoke to Ezekiel. And caused me to pass by them. First, he had this vision of the great valley of bones. Caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. 
And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. In verse 9, Then saith he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, Son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Now, I'm not going to type this as the church because this is Israel. But there's a lot of dry bones around the church. And then I'll read from Revelation chapter 3 to you, I guess, my text tonight. There were seven churches in the book of Revelation that were addressed by the Lord and to the angel or the pastor, the overseer of each of these churches. The first was Ephesus, and then there was Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamos. Sardis, Philadelphia, and the last was Laodicea. I'm picking Sardis. Coming out, encouraged, inspired, but falling into relapse. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write these things, saith he that hath seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Now, I, I thought of different titles tonight, and I tried to be respectful of the convention. thought about murder in the church. Slain on the battlefield. Dead army. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of good men that are walking around almost like a zombie. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. They've had a dream and a vision, but it is distorted. It has been smothered. There's a lot of saints that I'm speaking to tonight that your dreams and your vision, life has a way of sapping out of you all of the joys and the blessings of living. Because sooner or later you're going to find out that there's some tears to be shed along the way. There's some heartache. There's some disappointment. The journey of life from conversion to finish is a long, gnarled, and twisted path. And there are those grief-stricken moments that come to all when the thing that should have never happened has happened, and you're broken. But I'm preaching to you tonight. Take heart. Take courage. There's a few secrets about getting through life with victory. You cannot succumb to dwelling on the negative all of your life. It is going to come and impact your life. But when you get through it, come back to the Word of God. Find an altar to prayer. Renew your strength in Christ Jesus. Let the Lord restore your soul. Because God has a plan for you. Preacher, I'm preaching to you tonight. God has a plan for you. And don't let the devil kill your dream. Hallelujah. Reach over and take the hand of somebody by you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, I ask, Father, that your sweet Holy Spirit will overshadow us.
that there will be a mighty anointing that is resting upon this preacher. For I cannot minister or preach without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I need you so desperately, God. And I pray tonight because I'm reaching for someone that the enemy has told them, the, the adversary has said, it's over for you. Your ministry is through. Taper it down. But God, I'm asking for an infusion of the Holy Ghost and allow the call to be more distinct than ever before and clear the vision where we can see the master plan of Almighty God. I ask it in Jesus' name, oh God, that you will bless us and that you will touch us tonight. I want you to put your hands together. Raise your voice. Come on, saints. You got to shout your way to victory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Oh, glory to God. John 10 and 10. Jesus said, The thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We are obviously aware of the thief, the destroyer, and the murderer. But I want to point you to the conclusion of the verse. But I have come. Everybody lift a hand and say, but I have come. Say it loud. My Jesus has come. That you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I got a little bit of that abundant life tonight. How about you? Many of us have come to a power-packed service such as this, conventions and conferences and camp meetings and special revival services. And during the process of that service, we have been greatly revived and renewed in the Holy Ghost. We've, we've left with a shout in our soul. The rejoicing of the Lord has been in that place. And it seems like that we have been lifted into the realms of blessing and then to walk out the doors of that building and to just face the atmosphere of the world. The next morning for the phone to ring. You know, you can be shouting on Sunday night and, and one phone call can make a difference. You can have victory in your soul and feel so wonderful and just one letter in the mail, a phone call, a confrontation with someone, Everything can be going. Pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Everything. One counseling session. But I'm telling you that the God that is behind you, the God that has called you, the God that has empowered you, the God that has given you vision and dreams is greater than all the foes of this world. Greater than the opposition. We are winners in the name of Jesus. We are conquerors in the name of the Lord. He is a great God. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So I walk through the pages of this Bible and I read through the Scripture. I see men that have succumbed to the difficulties of life. Discouragement. Look at Elijah. Coming from the top of the mountain erected again the altars that had been torn down by the heathen and the enemies of Israel and of Jehovah God. And he erects and rebuilds the altar. And then he prays a simple prayer after we go through the process of allowing the heathen priest, the prophets of Baal, to erect their altar, to lay their sacrifice upon the altar to spend over a half a day screaming, ranting, raving, and tearing their clothes and asking Baal to answer by fire. Finally, Elijah rebuilds the altar, lays the sacrifice upon the altar, pours 12 barrels upon the altar, and prays the simple prayer. Let the God of heaven answer by fire. 
the fire consumes the sacrifice. That's camp meeting. Come on. That's Sunday night revival. That's Bogalusa Bible conference. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. That's revival. You can shout to that tune. That'll put the joy of the Lord on the inside. And then he goes to the top of the mountain and he prays. Until finally coming out of the sea is a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And he sends a messenger to Ahab and he says, get yourself back down to Jezreel. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. He's got such victory in his soul that he skips right ahead of the steeds that's pulling the chariot with Ahab in them. He's got great victory. And before they ever got back to Jezreel, the old wheels were getting muddied up because the rain was coming down. I'm telling you, he was serving a powerful God, and he had had a unique and wonderful answer. But it wasn't but just a few hours later that old Jesse heard about what happened. And all the heads of her prophets of Baal toppling off, they were decapitated. And she assured and sent a message to the prophet of God and said, it won't be a matter of hours until your head's going to be rolling just like theirs. And brother, from the fire and from the revival and from Bogalusa Bible Conference, and from the joy of the Lord, oh, Elijah said, I'm getting out of here. And he was moving fast this time, but it wasn't the swift move of victory. It was the swift move of fear. You see, the devil always knows when to attack a good preacher. Come on, preachers. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're, everything's going good. The building program's moving along. Everything's moving good. And there's new people coming in the church. And then it just happens. It comes out of nowhere. It's like a bolt of lightning. And fear is stricken to your heart. But I'm telling you, the Bible said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and are safe. The thief cometh but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The devil I'm talking about would like to destroy, murder, slaughter, the army of Jesus Christ. This boneyard that represents Israel was a mighty army. The Bible said they were slain. They were a marching army. Can you see them marching out of Egypt? They were marching with purpose. They were marching with victory. They were marching with a dream and they were marching with a vision. There was a land of promise called Canaan that some of them had heard about since they were little children. Now, their fathers had told them and the fathers before them and the forefathers before them ever since Joseph and Jacob came down to Egypt. They had carried the store. Someday, Joseph said, you're going to move out of Egypt. And when you come out of Egypt, I want you to pick my bones up because I don't want to remain in this old land of Egypt and take me to the land of Canaan. When they left Egypt, they were marching with victory. They were marching with a dream. And they were marching with vision. When we find and have that call that I'm preaching about this evening, the call of God. I can reminisce, and I don't want to take too long. My wife is with me tonight, and we've been married 41 years, and we've shared some wonderful times together in the ministry. God called me. I began my preaching at 16 years of age. I was licensed with the United Pentecostal Church at 17. And uh, life, it was exciting. I had dreams as a young teenager of how God was going to use me. As a matter of fact, I began much of my young, uh, younger days of preaching in the district of Louisiana. At about 18 years of age, I came to this district, a single boy, evangelizing, and my good friend, Brother Tenney, was the district youth president at that time. 
And he took me several places to minister in this district. And he was very kind to me. But there were the dreams. I, I dreamed of a day that I might preach a youth camp. I dreamed of a day that a camp meeting might open up where this boy could preach a camp meeting. I dreamed of a revival meeting that I could preach where people would run down the aisles and fall in the altar. I had dreams. I had visions. I cannot begin to tell you the dreams and visions when they talked about you getting on the stump. I literally got on a stump. Listen, my father who was a minister of the gospel, had a cattle ranch. And it was my job to irrigate in California. We do irrigating, and uh, we have wells, and we irrigate the pasture. And uh, he would leave me at home to watch the water if it was flooding the fields. And, and there was about 35, 40 head of Hereford out there that was his. And I remember those days as a 15-year-old boy, 14 and 15 year old boy out there with those cows and I remember getting on that stump and preaching to those cows and I know you're laughing about it but I'll tell you I'd rather preach those cows than some audiences I've had to preach to. At least, at least they all come up and stood around me and burp once in a while and chew the cod a little bit but that, that, that the cows. But that's the dream of a young boy that had a vision. And that vision burned within my soul. I had a dream to do something for God. But I want to tell you, the devil did not want this young boy to be preaching the gospel. And it wasn't long that those beautiful dreams and the utopias and the visions that I had seemed to crumble and it seemed like they were so far away. The Men sometimes that I had looked to and revered and respected, I would see their failures in life. And people that you trusted, it, it, and you're saying, yeah, that's the way it is. Listen, you cannot get your eyes on people. I love people. I'm a, I'm a people person. And we are ministering to people. But if you're looking at the person to be a perfect person, I'm going to tell you, you are going to be disappointed. Because there is human frailty and human element in all of us. And we will fail. But I want to point you to one tonight that will never fail. I want to talk about my Jesus who is without flaw. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. He's all right. Hallelujah. And this Jesus is wonderful. So there's those failures. And I remember shortly after my wife and I were married, 1961, how that we were, it wasn't long, just a few months. We had great dreams together. We talked about those dreams. We didn't know at that point whether we were going to be missionaries, evangelists, but where we were going to go. But one thing we knew, we were going to be involved in the work of God somewhere. Some way God was going to open up a door for us to minister and to work. And we were involved in ministry as assistant pastor at that point, uh, working in Stockton, California. But it wasn't long till someone very close to us, the thing happened that we never, never thought could happen. A, a minister, and there's so many of you here tonight that I, I, I want to say this, and I, I, I would sometimes that I didn't have to say this uh, with so many saints here, but I think our saints know that we are mortal and we are human. But this person that we love so much, we found out that there was a conflict in their marriage. And that marriage led to a divorce. And that young preacher sat at two in the morning on the couch in my home and he wept. He said, is it possible? And I'm a young man trying to get a grip on life and I, I was devastated as him but I tried to encourage him in the Lord. I'm, I'm trying to attempt to show you tonight that you can have great visions and dreams but you have an adversary. You have an enemy. There is a thief in the house. There is one that has come to kill and to destroy. He's a murderer! And he's in the church! 
He's more regular to church than a lot of saints. He's there. He's perched on the, the very shoulder of many men. He follows you, pastor. He goes to the church that you preach in and that you minister in, that you labor and oversee and shepherd. And he's there to bring destruction and to destroy. But there is a name that is above every name. I plead the blood in Jesus' name. I stand on the word of God. And I come against you, devil. Let come what may. There has to be a conviction in the heart of every preacher. It does not matter what happens. It does not matter what comes. We are going to stand. We were going to stand. We're going to go through the storm. We're going to go through the desert. We're going to go through the trial. And But devil, you're not going to rob us of our victory. You're not going to destroy us of revival. We're going to move forward in Jesus' name. Some of you, thank you, some of you tonight are acting like, what's he talking about? You're not fooling me sitting back there with your hands folded and your nose cocked in the air. You don't fool this preacher one bit. You're fighting devils and the sooner you admit it, you're fighting broken hearts, you're fighting confusion, you're fighting dilemma, and you need to just be as humble as you can and Pour yourself out on God and say, you're all I have, Jesus. I stand on the Word of God, and the Word of God is what's going to see me through. Come on now. He said, thank you. He said, cast your care upon me. For it careth for you. I mean, he had to pick Elijah up. Elijah was under a juniper tree. And the next thing he knew, he had, he, had, he had mourned so long and was so depressed and despondent. Elijah was literally depressed. And he was laying under this juniper tree, and the Lord had to send an angel, a ministering spirit. A ministering spirit down, and he prepared a cake to feed him, to give him nourishment. And he woke him up and said, eat. He partook and Went back to sleep. Angel of the Lord come again. Woke him up. Said, here's another one, buddy. You know, sometimes God, he just arranges to go completely out of the way to bless a prophet. How many of you stop and think right now, in spite of all the trouble you've had, don't you recall times when God just walked down and blessed you and restored yourself. How can we forget? It is easy. We have a better forgetter than we have a rememberer. We forget all of those times that he lifted us up. Um, how many times has God healed your body? That you could really say, he healed me? I can tell you many times that I've almost forgotten, but I've walked to the pulpit with burning fever, with virus in my body, and said it's time for me to feed my flock and start preaching. And when I got through, I wondered where my fever and my virus had gone to. Never come back on me again. I'm talking about, I am the Lord thy God that healeth all of thy diseases. And then that, when he finished that one, the Bible said he went 40 days in the strength of that last cake. It, it must have been powerful. It was put on the shelves today in our supermarkets. It would be a, quite a package. Anything that would keep you going 40 days. Of course, in America, we wouldn't like that. We love to eat every day. Now, I shouldn't say things like that. But then the Lord came to him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he's, the wind came, the Bible said. But God was not in that. The earth quaked, but God was not in that. The fire came, but God was not in that. But then there was a sweet voice. I love it when he speaks to us. And God said, listen, Elijah. Don't you dare throw in the towel. Your greatest work is yet ahead of you. 
I've got a great mission for you. I want you to go down and anoint the king of Syria. And when you get finished there, I want you to go anoint Jehu, king over Israel. And when you get through with that, there's a young man down in the valley of Jordan, the son of Jephthah, whose name is Elisha. And I want you to put your mantle on him and anoint him to be a prophet. I'm preaching to someone tonight that you think it's all over. You've had so many battles. You're here, you're here almost with a fake smile. But I want to tell you that God is not through with you. God has something indeed for you. Take heart, my brother. Renew your strength in Christ Jesus. This is our greatest hour and greatest moment. I preach to the United Pentecostal Church. We have never had a greater hour than we have right now. There is a wave of revelation sweeping across this world. I have witnessed revival in district after district. I hear the reports daily. My email has gone from just a trickle to an abundance every single day that's on my desk for me to read it when I walk in that office and I'm hearing him say, Brother Haney, we're having revival. Indeed it is. The time of the wave, the irresistible wave. They say things like that. Revelation has come. This brother, this man has come into the church. We've had 20 receive the Holy Ghost. We've had 50 receive the Holy Ghost. We have went two years without anyone receiving the Holy Ghost. And last Wednesday night, three received the Holy Ghost. I mean, it's revival. God is doing something. They're sitting down, some of them, with Trinitarian pastors in their own city that have requested an interview with some of our United Pentecostal pastors and said, tell me more about your doctrine of the one God and baptism in Jesus' name. This is a great hour and the devil will attack this church any way that he can attack this church to keep us from being what God wants us to be but it's time for the ministry to rise up and say we will not be denied what God is doing a mighty wonderful hour God is doing great things this is not the doings and the workings and the orchestration and the maneuvering and the manipulating of the UPC. Not in your life. We have one duty. This is the wave of God. But our duty is to be ready and be where he wants us to be at the right time and say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. I'm preaching to you preachers. We have to have every one of you on board. I think one of the reasons that I was dealt with so severely about this matter, I am totally convinced without question that we have been brought to the kingdom for this hour. I have no question about it. There is nothing, not, the little, not a little flaw, not a hesitation. I know the United Pentecostal Church is here by the voice of God for this hour. That conviction has to rest in the heart of every man that says he's a preacher. If that conviction is not in the heart of a united Pentecostal Jesus name one God preacher. You need prayer. Uh, the time of just preaching cute sermons is over. I'm not going to preach another one. The time of just making an audience feel good. That's, that's bygone days. We are preaching because destiny is at stake. We are preaching because we're an institution on course with a mission. Preachers, you, we cannot 
accomplish the mission and fulfill the commissions of Christ to the world with a third of us on board. You don't have to say amen. You can say oh me or you can pull your slingshot back and let it go and I'll try to dodge them. Or 50% on board. Or 75% on board. But it's time for every man of God that says I am a preacher. I want to know what qualifies one to be a preacher. Something that happened to us 39 years ago when we met a district board and were credentialed with the United Pentecostal. Does that, is that what it's all about? If that's what it's all about, you have just a piece of paper. We're dealing, you say, why do you become so irate? I'm sorry. There's a hell. We haven't heard a lot of preaching on hell. As a matter of fact, as a pastor, I did not like to preach on hell because I could not get a great response from my audience. But the, Jesus taught on hell. And a, and, a, and, a, and a man that was not washed in the blood, an unrepented man, is a lost man. You're not going to get to heaven without Jesus. And this business of preaching, brethren, please look at me tonight. I'm just here for the night and what I can contribute tomorrow morning. But this is more than building nice buildings. This is more than towering steeples and stained glass windows. This is more than building an institution and having statistics that we can roll out and tell people we're doing this and that. This is a matter of standing in the gap. And on this side is a hell, but this side is the gospel. And we need to stop every man and every woman and every boy and every girl from going, getting on their lives distorted by drugs and alcohol and evil and sin. And this church needs to stand with the Bible and preach Jesus is the way. He's the only God. He's the only Savior. He's the only one that can set a man free. Calvary is the only message that should be preached. Come on, United Pentecostals. We can't just survive from camp meeting to camp meeting. We cannot live from conference to conference. We're going to have to get a deep walk and a deep commitment. That call has to get ingrained down into our very spirit. There's a thief. And we're all vulnerable. Hallelujah. Maybe it's our failures. Here it was fear with Elijah. Simon Peter, Jesus says, I'm gonna I'm gonna be persecuted. I'm going to be crucified. And Simon says, it's not like you, Lord. Don't talk like that. Listen, Simon, they're all going to deny me. He said, listen, James might, and Andrew may, and, but I'm not, though all forsake you, I'm going to be there with you. He meant it. It was not a lie. He did not understand human frailty. For one moment, he did not understand how weak he was. And then 
when he was called to go to Gethsemane with Jesus, and I'm just slipping through it, and he's there, he's sleeping. And then Christ is praying in Gethsemane, that final prayer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will. And then here comes the howling mob, led by Judas Iscariot. He tries in his flesh boy. You better give him credit. He, he's the one that stepped out of the boat. Yes, we preach about his sinking, but the rest of them stayed in the boat. Give him a little courage for getting out. He was impetuous, impulsive. But he had a love for Jesus. And he takes that sword and he swings into action. Not the greatest swordsman in the world when he... Shot for the throat and the neck, he ended up with the ear. But at least he swung. Jesus sort of rebuttaled everything he did. He just reached down, picked the guy's ear up, and put it back on. Simon shakes his head and said, I'm trying to help you. But I don't understand everything. And then he's warming himself by fire while Jesus is in Pilate's judgment hall. And he's standing there. It's shivering and cold and a little damsel. The Bible said, said, you're one of them. He said, no, I'm, you're one of those followers of Jesus. No, I'm not. I am not. And then someone else says, you're one of them. I know. I, I remember you. I've seen you. And he vehemently denied, I am not. He had a change, but he was weak like we are sometimes. And then... Someone else said, but I know you are. Your very speech is likened unto that of the Nazarene. And the Bible said he cursed and said, I, I know not the man. And in God, Luke's gospel, it said about that time, of course, the rooster crowed. and Then the door opened. And the scripture simply says, and Jesus looked at Simon. I don't think it was a rebuking look. It was the look of pity. I know you tried, boy. But I know you're weak. I know that you, you never thought you would fail and you never thought you would deny me, but you are weak. I'm unworthy to even go and stand by. He's now dead. He's buried in a tomb. And... The women are going to the tomb, but he won't go. I'm not worthy. I didn't stand with him when he needed me. But then that triumphant day, when Jesus come out of the grave, the Bible said Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and some of the other women came to the tomb to anoint his body, and the stone was rolled away. And there was an angel standing there. And the angel said, go tell his disciples and Peter. The only one name. Why? Because Jesus believes in you. He knows when you fail. We've all failed. We've all faltered. But I want you to get up tonight and say, but he believes in me. Hallelujah. I, I faltered and I failed, but he believes in me. He come a long ways on. Or maybe your life is like that of Isaiah. Mediocrity. Ritualism. Professionalism. You have the name, you have the title, you have the degrees. And you're going through the formality of it all. Year after year after year. But you're leaning on someone else's prayers. You're trusting in someone else. You're believing in someone else to see you through. But I preach to you tonight that every man has to have his Gethsemane. And every man has to have his encounter with God. 
And as you have preached to your congregation, you can't go to heaven on your mama prayers and experience or your daddies I preach to you preachers tonight you can't go to heaven on your district superintendent and your district board and the preacher down the street every preacher's got to have a relationship with Jesus do you hear what I'm saying every one of us has to have a relationship with Jesus and the reason for some of the trials that we're going through is God is wooing us to him he's saying come close to me And in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Uzziah was his crutch. He was the king. He was the tower of strength. Second only to King David, a man of war. Was the strength and the inventions and the power and the authority. And when his name was spoken clear to the rivers of Nile and Egypt, was trembling but in the year and I don't want to go into that part of the message I don't have time but it was pride that brought this man down but he died the leper and in that year I don't know if Isaiah was on his way home from the funeral where they were laying the monarch to rest but I know he heard the 400 chanting priests chanting out the praises to Jehovah God. And he had heard this over and over for years, but never did it sound like this. And he walked into the house of God, and he walked into the place of his presence, and it was filled with the glory of smoke. And the post of the door moved. And everything was different. It had just been normality and ritualism before. But now it was the Shekinah. It was the glory of God. Sometimes it's the sorrow, the heartbreak, the pain, the woe, the hurting, the, the breaking that brings us into the presence of God. We've all been there. I was there. I was there. I love God. But I was there. You see, I was there even as your leader, as the international youth president, when I followed this man. I was there. I know what it is. Elected by the conference to serve as youth president in 1969. Serving and enjoying it, but it was more, oh, I pray, I love God. I spoke in tongues. I love this message, but it was position. It was, do I do everything right? Do I handle myself with proper pulpit manners? Am I leading the youth courageously? Are they happy with me? And then two and a half years passed, and the man that was my mentor, the man that was my closest friend, the man that loved me, the man that laid hands on me, the man that cradled me when I was a baby, my father. We traveled together. We went to camp meetings. Brother Tenney, Brother Pugh, you know this together. We went to general conferences together all alone. We stood together. He was... A man, a few words, never complimented me often, but I knew when he approved. And I do remember one time shortly before he passed away, he just, I preached. He come and he, I was getting ready to leave. It was a convention I preached at. I went to California. I was youth president. I preached. He looked hard for me and he found me. Just as I was getting in the car to leave, he said, I was proud of you tonight. I said, that was a good message, son. We hunted together every year. And then while I was in Jackson, Mississippi, preaching conferences that night, one night off, went to Brother Kraft's home, and the phone rings. Someone says, from California, 
just a manager. Have you heard your father was in a serious accident? No, I hadn't heard that. I tried to find, it was it bad? I don't know much about it, but I know it was bad. Well, I heard it was bad. He hangs up. Rings within just 60 seconds again. It's my sister. She said, Daddy has been in a terrible accident. And it was her husband with him also. And Chuck's been in a bad accident. I said, well, how bad? Uh, she said, it's very bad. I said, is it bad enough I need to come? She said, by all means. I hung up. I remember packing my sister Craft was getting me a reservation to fly out and she got it. I packed my stuff real quickly. We had to rush to the airport in Jackson, Mississippi for me to catch that Delta 737 so I could go to Shreveport and then on to Dallas and then to San Francisco to get out there. And I remember I was buying my ticket and they were paging me in the airport. And Brother Kraft said, I'll get that call for you. And while I was paying for it, he got it. And then I had to run to get on the plane. And as I was just going down the corridor to get on the plane, he stopped me and he said, I've got to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, your father's dead. I rushed on the plane. I flew like I was a zombie. I didn't know where I was going hardly. But I knew one thing. I was getting close to Jesus. The tears were flowing. My heart was broken. Life had taken a funny twist. The thing I never thought would happen, happened. But Jesus said, I'm your God. I was Clyde Haney's, but I'm yours too. And life began to change. You went through it. But don't let it be the element that destroys you, murders you, kills your dream and your vision. But take another step and say, I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. I've come through something. And I'm a new man. Yes. There needs to be we cannot become the walking dead. Going through the performance of just walking and acting and performing and existing because the light has gone out and because the dream is dead. Vision is over. That's what the devil wants. But my brother, I beg you tonight in Jesus' name, I adjure you. I go a step further. I do not beg you. I adjure you in Jesus' name. Stand up and look that devil in the eye and say in the name of Jesus, this is one man you're not knocking down. God called me. Whatever I've gone through, every valley, every heartache, every sorrow, I'm coming back up again, and I'm going to fight like I've never fought. I'm going to preach like I've never preached. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed. I'm going to win souls as I've never won souls. Hallelujah. Come on, preachers. Come on, saints of God. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, reach over and take the hand of somebody by you right now. There's a great presence of God. If you're standing, just reach there. Take the hand of somebody. Let's pray for a sweeping victory to touch our souls tonight. Come on, church, raise your voice for just a moment. We're standing in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Help us, Jesus. Help us, help us, help us. Revive us, Lord. I want you to stand. I feel everybody in the building, please. Seventh chapter, Second Kings. Four lepers set outside the gates of Samaria. No tyranny like the tyranny of hunger. Famine on the inside. Men dying. Eating their children. And these men had diseased bodies. But they said one day, now I want you to hear this. Why sit we here till we die? Every one of us has a problem. If, if, you, think, if you think you might have a little problem somewhere or other in life, if something just went right for you, would you just nod your head? Would you be kind enough to nod your head tonight? Good. I'm not alone now. Everyone encounters the fiery furnace. The lonely bones. But as they looked upon themselves, they said, why sit we here until we die? If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go inside where these people are, we're going to starve within. Let's go down to the enemy's camp. They can do only two things. They can feed us and we'll live, or they can kill us and we'll die. There's just sometimes you have to shake yourself. I'm not going to sit here like this. You lost a couple of families that you really believed in. You work hard to bring in a couple new families in the church. And about the time you taught them all those Bible studies, they up and moved out of town. You had some church problems and it set you back. You had such a dream. You were so powerful. And then you stood, sat on the platform like a whip pup from then on. Now look at me. Don't look away. And you let the devil work you over day after day. You're no good. You're never going to have a church here. You're no match for the devil. You and I are no match for the devil. But there's somebody on the inside of me that whipped him at Calvary. Oh, I don't feel strong in my flesh. I feel strong in the spirit. And finally, they went down. The Bible said they went down. These four lepers went down to the enemy's camp. And this is how much God believed in those four lepers. The Bible said God sent a noise. Did you ever notice it? God sent a noise. He said, there's four little old lepers coming down here. They had the courage to get up. When you have courage... God will work with you. When you crawl up and wimp and moan, that doesn't invoke God's awesome arm. But when you step forward and say, I'm going to fight this thing through in Jesus' name, heaven's behind you. And I'm going to tell you what, when they walked in, man, the barbecues were going. Cornbread. I know in the part of the country I'm in, okra. My goodness, they had it all. Oh, turnip greens. Yes, they had everything that you folks have down here in this part of the country. Hmm. They sat down and they ate. And then they went to the next tent and they ate some more. They ate so much they could hardly move. 
And finally, they looked at one another and said, this is what they said. We do not well. This is a day of good tidings. Preachers, there's never been a greater day than right now. Come on. I want you to get your hand up right now. Everybody in this building. Come on, children. You're in a Sunday school class. No, not that way. This way. Just like me. You're going to preach with me. Come on. Get it over there. There's never been a greater day. You say it. Oh, you're weak. Say it. It's the truth. This is the greatest day of all ages. It's the wind-up. It's the hour of revelation. It's the hour of revival. And we do not well. We're sitting in our churches, fat with glory in His presence. And we're saying, it's so wonderful. We don't need to even tell one another how wonderful it is. We need to get on the outside of the walls of the building. Tell the whole world how wonderful it is. We're not doing well. The thief cometh but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And some of you have been injured and some of you spiritually have been mortally injured. But tonight... We're going to have a resurrection service. Tonight, we're going to have a Holy Ghost breakthrough. Tonight, Lazarus is going to come walking out of the grave. Tonight, Jesus is walking along, and he found a little woman who's walking behind the casket of her son from Nain. And he's going to say, Arise, son. So I want every preacher and his wife to get out in the aisles and come here. Every one of you in this building tonight, if you are a preacher and your wife is here, you get a hold of your wife, and you come down here, and you get right up here in the front, because we're going to have revival up here tonight, preachers. This is our night. Is this all right, Brother Super? It's working. Hallelujah. The glory of God. They're coming from everywhere. You come. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Come from far back. I'm here to encourage the ministry tonight. I want you preachers to know that this is the greatest hour. This is the greatest moment of your life. And the greatest days are yet ahead of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feel the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We are going to conquer this world. Preachers, we are going to conquer this world. Take hope, my brother. Take pastor's wives are under attack today. Minister's wives. Look at me, preachers. We, this cannot just be the end of a normal service. This service has to, we have to have vitality pumped into our spiritual bloodstream. We have to have new life. We cannot leave here the same. This is not just another service. This is a moment for you to be revived. Have you been discouraged? Are you an Elijah? Have you failed? Are you a Simon Peter? Have you taken your position and your call more from a ritualistic standpoint? And as a matter of fact, are you an Isaiah? God will do what he has to do to bring you into a new relationship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every one of you men of God and you wives that are here tonight, if you want and feel the need and the urgency of a new touch from God, I just want you to nod your head. I need it. I want you to say, I need it. I need it. Say it, I need it. Let heaven hear it. Say apostolic revival. Say it again. That's what we're going to have. God's not going to use a bunch of wimps. 
He wants men that are willing to face the foe and stand forward and say, in the name of Jesus, we're coming. Hallelujah. I want you right now to pray for one another. Pray for your wife. Wife, pray for your husband. If you don't have a wife with you tonight, preacher, pray for one another. But let's raise our voices and pray that God will do something. Hallelujah. I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. He wants to give every preacher abundant life, abundant anointing, an abundant harvest. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Heal our bodies. Raise us up, God. Give us spirit, Lord. Spirit of a conqueror, God. That conquering spirit within us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Saints, I want you to get in on this. Join hands with someone right now. Join hands right now. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, famine, distress, nakedness, peril? He said, Nay, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Claim it in Jesus' name. Everybody, raise your voice. Claim it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 That's right. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Hold on, preachers. Preachers, would you just hold a minute? Just hold a minute. I know we're praying. I don't feel like we're really breaking through that thing. I want some of you preachers and wives to march up here on this platform right now. Come on, preachers. Just come up here with me. Don't be ashamed. We're up here. we got to march. We want the devil to know we mean business tonight. Come on, preachers. Let's get up here and let's start pleading the blood. Let's start calling on the name of the Lord. Saints of God, join with us tonight. There's something about a host of preachers that believe that we can literally conquer. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for raising your voice. Thank you for calling on the name of the Lord. Thank you for believing that we will become conquerors. Thank you. Hallelujah. Saints of God, raise your voice tonight in Jesus' name. 